Section 13. 1. Background and Evidentiary Principles of Report on the Investigation into Russian Interference in the 2016 Presidential Election. This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information, or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. Report on the Investigation into Russian Interference in the 2016 Presidential Election by Robert Mueller, Section 13. 1. Background Legal and Evidentiary Principles A. Legal Framework of Obstruction of Justice The May 17, 2017 Appointment Order and the Special Counsel Regulations provide this office with jurisdiction to investigate Quote, federal crimes committed in the course of and with intent to interfere with the special counsel's investigation, such as perjury, obstruction of justice, destruction of evidence, and intimidation of witnesses. End quote. 28 CFR section 600.4a. Because of that description of our jurisdiction, we sought evidence for our obstruction of justice investigation with the elements of obstruction offenses in mind. Our evidentiary analysis is similarly focused on the elements of such offenses, although we do not draw conclusions on the ultimate questions that govern a prosecutorial decision under the principles of federal prosecution. See Justice Manual, Section 9-27, Point zero 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 at sec, two thousand eighteen. Here we summarize the law interpreting the elements of potentially relevant obstruction statutes in an ordinary case. This discussion does not address the unique constitutional issues that arise in an inquiry into official acts by the president. Those issues are discussed in a later section of this report addressing constitutional defenses that the President's Council have raised. See Volume 2, Section 3.B, Infra. Three basic elements are common to most of the relevant obstruction statutes. 1. An obstructive act. 2. A nexus between the obstructive act and an official proceeding, and three, a corrupt intent. See, e.g., 18 U.S.C. sections 1503, 1505, 1512c2. We describe those elements as they have been interpreted by the courts. We then discuss a more specific statute aimed at witness tampering. See, 18 U.S.C. section 1512b and describe the requirements for attempted offenses and endeavors to obstruct justice. See 18 U.S.C. sections 1503-1512-C2. Obstructive Act Obstruction of justice law, quote, reaches all corrupt conduct capable of producing an effect that prevents justice from being duly administered regardless of the means employed, end quote. United States v. Silverman, 745 F. 2nd, 1386, 1393, 11th Circuit, 1984, interpreting 
18 U.S.C. section 1503. An effort to influence a proceeding can qualify as an endeavor to obstruct justice even if the effort was subtle or circuitous and, however cleverly or with whatever cloaking of purpose, it was made. United States v. Roe, 529 F. 2nd, 629, 632, 4th Circuit, 1975. See also United States v. Quattroni, 441 F. 3rd, 153, 173, 2nd Circuit, 2006. The verbs obstruct or impede are broad and can refer to anything that blocks, makes difficult, or hinders. Marinello v. United States, 138 Supreme Court, 1101-1106-2018 An improper motive can render an actor's conduct criminal even when the conduct would otherwise be lawful and within the actor's authority. See United States v. Cueto, 151 Federal 3rd, 620-631, 7th Circuit, 1998, affirming obstruction conviction of a criminal defense attorney for litigation-related conduct. United States v. Sintolo, 818 F. 2nd, 980-992, 1st Circuit, 1987, quote, any act by any party, whether lawful or unlawful on its face, may abridge Section 1503 if performed with a corrupt motive. End quote. Nexus to a pending or contemplated official proceeding. Obstruction of justice law generally requires a nexus or connection to an official proceeding. In Section 1503, the nexus must be to pending judicial or grand jury proceedings. United States v. Aguilar, 515 U.S. 593, 599, 1995. In Section 1505, the nexus can include a connection to a pending federal agency proceeding or a congressional inquiry or investigation. Under both statutes, the government must demonstrate a relationship in time, causation, or logic between the obstructive act and the proceeding or inquiry to be obstructed. Id at 599. See also Arthur Anderson LLP v. United States, 544 U.S. 696, 707-708-2005. Section 512C prohibits obstructive efforts aimed at official proceedings, including judicial or grand jury proceedings. 18 U.S.C. Section 1515A1A. Quote, for purposes of, Section 1512, an official proceeding need not be pending or about to be instituted at the time of the offense. End quote. 18 U.S.C. Section 1512 F. 1. Although a proceeding need not already be in progress to trigger liability 
Under Section 1512C, a nexus to a contemplated proceeding must still be shown. United States v. Young, 916 F. 3rd, 368, 386, 4th Circuit, 2019. United States v. Petrick, 781 F. 3rd, 438, 445, 8th Circuit, 2015. United States v. Phillips, 583 F. 3rd, 1261, 1264, 10th Circuit, 2009. United States v. Reich, 479 F. 3rd, 179, 186, 2nd Circuit, 2007. The nexus requirement narrows the scope of obstruction statutes to ensure that individuals have fair warning of what the law prescribes. Aguilar, 515 U.S. at 600. The nexus showing has subjective and objective components. As an objective matter, a defendant must act, quote, in a manner that is likely to obstruct justice, end quote, such that the statute, quote, excludes defendants who have an evil purpose, but use means that would only unnaturally and improbably be successful, end quote. Aguilar, 515 U.S. at 601-602. Emphasis added. Quote, the endeavor must have the natural and probable effect of interfering with the due administration of justice, end quote, id at 5.99. As a subjective matter, the actor must have, quote, contemplated a particular foreseeable proceeding, end quote, Petrick 781 F3rd at 445 to 446. A defendant need not directly impede the proceeding. Rather, a nexus exists if, quote, discretionary actions of a third person would be required to obstruct the judicial proceeding if it was foreseeable to the defendant that the third party would act on the defendant's communication in such a way as to obstruct the judicial proceeding, end quote. United States v. Martinez 864 F. 3rd, 223-228, 2nd Circuit, 2017. Corruptly. The word corruptly provides the intent element for obstruction of justice and means acting knowingly and dishonestly or with an improper motive. United States v. Richardson, 676 F. 3rd, 491-508, 5th Circuit, 2012, United States v. Gordon, 710, F. 3rd, 1124, 1151-10th Circuit, 2013. To act corruptly means to, quote, act with an improper purpose and to engage in conduct knowingly and dishonestly with the specific intent to subvert impede or abstract, end quote, the relevant proceeding. See 18 U.S.C. section 1515b. 
Quote, As used in section 1505, the term corruptly means acting with an improper purpose, personally, or by influencing another. End quote. See also Arthur Anderson, 544 U.S. at 705 to 706. Interpreting corruptly to mean wrongful, immoral, depraved, or evil, and holding that acting knowingly, corruptly, in 18 U.S.C. section 1512b, requires consciousness of wrongdoing. The requisite showing is made when a person acted with an intent to obtain improper advantage for himself or someone else, inconsistent with official duty and the rights of others. Palantine's Law Dictionary, 276, 3rd edition, 1969. See United States v. Pasha, 797 F. 3rd, 1122, 1132, D.C. Circuit, 2015. Aguilar, 515 U.S. at 616, Scalia J. concurring in part and dissenting in part, characterizing this definition as the long-standing and well-accepted meaning of corruptly. Witness tampering. A more specific provision in section 1512 prohibits tampering with a witness. See 18 U.S.C. section 1512b. 1 and 3, making it a crime to knowingly use intimidation or corruptly persuade another person or engage in misleading conduct towards another person with the intent to influence, delay, or prevent the testimony of any person in an official proceeding or to hinder, delay, or prevent the communication to a law enforcement officer of information relating to the commission or possible commission of a federal offense. To establish corrupt persuasion, it is sufficient that the defendant asked a potential witness to lie to investigators in contemplation of a likely federal investigation into his conduct. United States v. Edland 887 F. 3rd, 166, 174, 4th Circuit, 2018, United States v. Sparks, 791 F. 3rd, 1188, 1191, 1192, 10th Circuit, 2015, United States v. Byrne, 435 F. 3rd, 16, 23 to 26, 1st Circuit, 2006, United States v. Lachey, 417, F3rd, 715, 718 to 719, 7th Circuit, 2005, United States v. Burns, 298, F3rd, 523, 539 to 540, 6th Circuit, 2002, United States v. Pennington, 168 F. 3rd, 1060, 1066, 8th Circuit, 1999. The persuasion need not be coercive, intimidating, or explicit. It is sufficient to urge, induce, ask, argue, 
give reasons. Sparks 791 F3rd at 1192. Or coach or remind witnesses by planting misleading facts. Edland 887 F3rd at 174. Corrupt persuasion is shown, quote, where a defendant tells a potential witness a false story as if the story were true, intending that the witness believe the story and testify to it, end quote. United States v. Rodelitz, 786 F. 2nd, 7782, 2nd Circuit, 1986. See United States v. Gabriel, 125 F. 3rd, 89, 102, 2nd Circuit, 1997. It also covers urging a witness to recall a fact that the witness did not know, even if the fact was actually true. See Lachey, 417 F. 3rd at 719. Corrupt persuasion can also be shown in certain circumstances when a person with an improper motive urges a witness not to cooperate with law enforcement. See United States v. Schatz, 145 F. 3rd, 1289, 1301, 11th Circuit, 1998, telling Secretary, quote, not to say anything to the FBI and she would not be bothered. When the charge is acting with the intent to hinder, delay, or prevent the communication of information to law enforcement, under Section 1512b3, the nexus to a preceding inquiry articulated in Aguilar, that an individual have, quote, knowledge that his actions are likely to affect the judicial proceeding, end quote, 515 U.S. at 599, does not apply because the obstructive act is aimed at the communication of information to investigators, not at impeding an official proceeding. Acting knowingly, corruptly, requires proof that the individual was conscious of wrongdoing. Arthur Anderson, 544 U.S. at 705 to 706, declining to explore, quote, the outer limits of this element, unquote, but indicating that an instruction was infirm where it permitted conviction even if the defendant, quote, honestly and sincerely believed that the conduct was lawful. It is an affirmative defense that, quote, the conduct consisted solely of lawful conduct and that the defendant's sole intention was to encourage, induce, or cause the other person to testify truthfully. 18 U.S.C. Section 1512E Attempts and Endeavors Section 1512C2 covers both substantive obstruction offenses and attempts to obstruct justice. Under general principles of attempt law, a person is guilty of an attempt when he has the intent to commit a substantive offense and takes an overt act that constitutes a substantial step toward that goal. See United States v. Resende Pons. 549 U.S. 102, 106-107, 2007. The act must be substantial in that it was strongly corroborative of the defendant's criminal purpose. United States v. Pratt, 351 F. 3rd, 
131-135, 4th Circuit, 2003. While mere abstract talk does not suffice, any concrete and specific acts that corroborate the defendant's intent can constitute a substantial step. United States v. Irving, 665 F. 3rd, 1184, 1198-1205, to 10th Circuit, 2011. Thus, quote, soliciting an innocent agent to engage in conduct constituting an element of the crime, unquote, may qualify as a substantial step. Model Penal Code, Section 5.01-2G. See United States v. Lucas, 499 F. 3rd, 769, 781, 8th Circuit, 2007. The Omnibus Clause of 18 U.S.C. Section 1503 prohibits an endeavor to obstruct justice which sweeps more broadly than Section 1512's attempt provision. See United States v. Sampson, 898 F. 3rd, 287-302, Second Circuit, 2018, United States v. Leisure, 844 F. 2nd, 1347, 1366-1367, Eighth Circuit, 1988, Collecting Cases. Quote, it is well established that an obstruction of justice offense is complete when one corruptly endeavors to obstruct or impede the due administration of justice. The prosecution need not prove that the due administration of justice was actually obstructed or impeded. United States v. Davis, 854 F. 3rd, 1276, 1292, 11th Circuit, 2017. B. Investigative and Evidentiary Considerations After the appointment of the special counsel, this office obtained evidence about the following events relating to potential issues of obstruction of justice involving the president. A. The president's January 27, 2017 dinner with former FBI Director James Comey, in which the president reportedly asked for Comey's loyalty, one day after the White House had been briefed by the Department of Justice on contacts between former National Security Advisor Michael Flynn and the Russian ambassador. B. The President's February 14, 2017 meeting with Comey, in which the President reportedly asked Comey not to pursue an investigation of Flynn. C. The President's private requests to Comey to make public the fact that the President was not the subject of an FBI investigation and to lift what the President regarded as a cloud. D. The President's outreach to the Director of National Intelligence and the Directors of the National Security Agency and the Central Intelligence Agency about the FBI's Russia investigation. E. The President's stated rationales for terminating Comey on May 9, 2017, including statements that could be reasonably understood as acknowledging that the FBI's Russia investigation was a factor in Comey's termination, and F. 
the president's reported involvement in issuing a false statement about the June 9, 2016 Trump Tower meeting between Russians and senior Trump campaign officials that said the meeting was about adoption and omitted that the Russians had offered to provide the Trump campaign with derogatory information about Hillary Clinton. Taking into account that information, and our analysis of applicable statutory and constitutional principles discussed below in Volume 2, Section 3, Infra, we determine that there was a sufficient factual and legal basis to further investigate potential obstruction of justice issues involving the President. Many of the core issues in an obstruction of justice investigation turn on an individual's actions and intent. We therefore requested that the White House provide us with documentary evidence in its possession on the relevant events. We also sought and obtained the White House's concurrence in our conducting interviews of White House personnel who had relevant information. And we interviewed other witnesses who had pertinent knowledge obtained documents on a voluntary basis when possible, and used legal process where appropriate. These investigative steps allowed us to gather a substantial amount of evidence. We also sought a voluntary interview with the president. After more than a year of discussion, the president declined to be interviewed. Redaction, Grand Jury During the course of our discussions, the president did agree to answer written questions on certain Russia-related topics, and he provided us with answers. He did not similarly agree to provide written answers to questions on obstruction topics or questions on events during the transition. Ultimately, while we believed that we had the authority and legal justification to issue a grand jury subpoena to obtain the president's testimony, we chose not to do so. We made this decision in view of the substantial delay that such an investigative step would likely produce at a late stage in our investigation. We also assessed that, based on the significant body of evidence we had already obtained of the President's actions and his public and private statements describing or explaining those actions, we had sufficient evidence to understand relevant events and to make certain assessments without the President's testimony. The Office's decision-making process on this issue is described in more detail in Appendix C, Infra, in a note that precedes the President's written responses. In assessing the evidence we obtained, we relied on common principles that apply in any investigation. The issue of criminal intent is often inferred from circumstantial evidence. See, e.g., United States v. Croteau, 819 F. 3rd, 1293, 1305, 11th Circuit, 2016. Guilty knowledge can rarely be established by direct evidence. Therefore, mens rea elements such as knowledge or intent may be proved by circumstantial evidence. United States v. Robinson, 702 F. 3rd, 2236. 2nd Circuit, 2012, 
quote, the government's case rested on circumstantial evidence, but the mens rea elements of knowledge and intent can often be proved through circumstantial evidence and the reasonable inferences drawn therefrom, end quote. The principle that intent can be inferred from circumstantial evidence is a necessity in criminal cases, given the right of a subject to assert his privilege against compelled self-incrimination under the Fifth Amendment and therefore decline to testify. Accordingly, determinations on intent are frequently reached without the opportunity to interview an investigatory subject. Obstruction of justice cases are consistent with this rule. C. E. G. Edland 887 F. 3rd at 174-176, relying on, quote, significant circumstantial evidence that the defendant was conscious of her wrongdoing, unquote, in an obstruction case, quote, because evidence of intent will almost always be circumstantial, a defendant may be found culpable where the reasonable and foreseeable consequences of her acts are the obstruction of justice. Quattroni, 441 F. 3rd at 173-174. Circumstantial evidence that illuminates intent may include a pattern of potentially obstructive acts. Federal Rules of Evidence, 404b. Quote, evidence of a crime, wrong, or other act may be admissible to prove motive, opportunity, intent, preparation, planning, knowledge, identity, absence of mistake, or lack of accident, end quote. C.E.G. United States v. Frankhauser, 80 F. 3rd, 641, 648 to 650, 1st Circuit, 1996, United States v. Arnold, 773 F. 2nd, 823, 832 to 834, 7th Circuit, 1985, Sintolo, 818F2nd, at 1000. Credibility judgments may also be made based on objective facts and circumstantial evidence. Standard jury instructions highlight a variety of factors that are often relevant in assessing credibility. These include whether a witness had a reason not to tell the truth whether the witness had a good memory, whether the witness had the opportunity to observe the events about which he testified, whether the witness's testimony was corroborated by other witnesses, and whether anything the witness said or wrote previously contradicts his testimony. C.E.G. First Circuit Pattern Jury Instructions, Section 1.06, 2018. Fifth Circuit Pattern Jury Instructions, Criminal Cases, Section 1.08, 2012. Seventh Circuit Pattern Jury Instructions, Section 3.01, 2012. In addition to those general factors, we took into account more specific factors in assessing the credibility of conflicting accounts of the facts. For example, Contemporaneous written notes can provide strong corroborating evidence. See United States v. Nobles, 422 U.S. 225, 232, 1975, the fact that a, quote, statement appeared in the contemporaneously recorded report would tend to strongly corroborate the investigator's version of the interview, 
unquote. Similarly, a witness's recitation of his account before he had any motive to fabricate also supports the witness's credibility. See Tome v. United States, 513 U.S. 150, 158, 1995. Quote, a consistent statement that predates the motive is a square rebuttal of the charge that the testimony was contrived as a consequence of that motive. Unquote. Finally, a witness's false description of an encounter can imply consciousness of wrongdoing. See Al Adal versus Obama, 613 F. 3rd, 1102, 1107, D.C. Circuit, 2010, noting the quote, well settled principle that false exculpatory statements are evidence, often strong evidence, of guilt. We applied those settled legal principles in evaluating the factual results of our investigation. End of section 13. Recording by Amy Conger, San Francisco, California.